0: in the the a boundaries series, and I want to come back to that I've got fourteen pages of notes I've got thirty eight minutes if i if I get done at, at eight thirty so I don't have a lot of time to spend on these these pages, but I want to talk about boundaries in the family we've talked about boundaries just
1: as they as the as just a principle we've talked about boundaries of our bodies boundaries of her mind, and I want to talk to you about boundaries in the family, and I've got parts to this, but they do go together, and I none of this, Well, I would say that if any of this is something new, um, that would be a bit unexpected for me. I think everything I say is something you know, something you understand, or at least you know, in the back of your mind, you know it to be right, but I want to just put
0: it out there, I want to just enunciate it and say it. It may be one-liners. It may be just a small statement before I go on to another. But I want to preach, I want to teach about boundaries of our family. The first part, part one, is boundaries of our marriage. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 28 says this, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever hated his own flesh, but nourished it and cherished it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and those they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and see that the wife or, and, and the wife see that she reverence or respects her husband. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse twenty eight. Uh, says if you do marry you have not sinned and if a virgin marries she has not sinned this is probably one of the most real statements in the Bible but those who marry shall face many troubles in this life you don't have to say amen but that's what the Bible says and I want to spare you from this that's what Paul said there's two key words when it comes to a marriage love and respect the end of my last boundaries lesson, I, I, I brought this and I said, if my wife and my kids follow my speech, my actions, my temperament, will they get closer to God or farther away? That, that's something that, that challenged me. A minister by the name of Robert Kurz, I heard him say that, and Gary Dornbrock, retreat, we, he, he put it back on social media. If my wife and my kids follow my speech, my actions, my temperament as a husband, Will they get closer to God or further away? And I believe in marriages and in our family, it is imperative that my family and my spouse, I draw them closer to God, not drive them away. There's three books if you're married today or if you're considering getting married. There's three books tonight that have changed my own relationship. The first is the Bible. If you'll read the Bible, you'll find it contains a whole lot more than just Acts 2.38. The second, and we've actually, it's been a long time, we probably need to revisit it. But the second book, I remember probably my first full year being pastor, uh, we did a marriage seminar and my dad and mom spoke at that and he uh, introduced the book Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egricks. And then the last book is His Needs, Her Needs by William Harley. And uh, if if I've married you, if I've performed the ceremony, uh, you most likely got the book Love and Respect. That's how much I believe in it. But remember, boundaries define. Boundaries contain and boundaries protect. So boundaries define a marriage. Let me just say it one more time. Marriage is biblically defined as one man and one wife. It's an absolute boundary. There are no differences. There are no ways around it. The Bible says that's how you define marriage. And if Per se, somebody redefines marriage, whether it's a government, whether it's even a church, or however it may be, does not change what God says marriage is. Genesis two twenty four says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That phrase, that verse was repeated by Jesus when he answered them in Matthew 19 and he said, Have you not read that he which made them in the beginning made them male and female? And for this cause shall a man leave father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Wherefore, no more twain, no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Marriage is biblically defined as one man and one wife. Another boundary that defines a marriage is when is a marriage over? Jesus said it this way. The Pharisees came to him, they were tempting him and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every or for any cause? Jesus answered and said unto them, Have you not read? And this is what I just read. Have you not read? That in the beginning he made them male and female. Uh, that that, that they, this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, those two be one flesh, the no more two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let no man put Asunder. Those words are far more than just tagged on somewhere in a, a, a wedding ceremony. Those words ought to resonate in the lives of every marriage. God says marriage is forever. That's the definition of marriage. However, they asked a the question, well then why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? And at this point I can imagine the Lord I don't know if he's sitting or what, but I can imagine him just kind of taking a deep breath and sighing for a moment. And he said, well, the reason divorce is even an option is because of the hardness of your hearts, because of the sin in mankind, and because sometimes sin gets in the way of the definition that I have. He said, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so when I say, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. Whosoever marrieth
1: her which is put away doth commit adultery. And so I'm just going to say it again very simply. Marriage is designed and find One man, one wife, forever. So we don't enter into it lightly. We don't enter into it haphazardly. And when we're entered into it, we have to work together. If God said that that marriage is to be forever, and Paul comes and tells us that if married you're gonna have some hard times in life, that tells me that there's no fairy book weddings, no fairy book marriages. There's no perfect marriages at all. In fact, the only thing that I see in a marriage that extends for a long time is worked together. They fought for that marriage. They, they worked for that marriage because they saw God's definition of a marriage. And the only way that you can fight for it, the only way you can work at it is to understand that there are boundaries that contain a marriage. And I'll kind of get on some of those and look. There's boundaries that contain. We cannot allow our marriages to just be uh, open season for anyone. And kind of the same, our boundaries in our marriages must protect us from outside influences. And so I want to just go through a few little things. They may be just, like I said, a, a, a little screenshot or just a single sentence or something, but boundaries in a relationship. Number one, you get married, you have to be your own family. That's why the Bible says you leave your mother and your father and Together you become one. And so there is an element that you have to have bound in a relationship. You have to leave your family. Now, there's a lot of ways that I could talk about this,
0: but just to just to kind of put it this way, any sitcom that deals with marriage probably has in-laws and outlaws together in that sitcom. And they're always going to kind of be meddling. I'm not, see, I can't, I can't use any. Uh, real examples, because my mother-in-law and my mother both come to church here, so I can't tell you about my marriage or anything of that nature, so I have to just kind of reach out here in fantasy land somewhere and tell you that I've heard these things happen, because it's never happened in my life or my family. I, my, my mother has never meddled. My mother-in-law has never meddled. It doesn't happen in my family, but I have heard that it happens in others. And so sometimes you have to realize that there has to be boundaries in your relationship. There are boundaries within your marriage. Um, I I could put it this way, and I want you to listen to me as I say it very carefully. Husband and wife, there are things that happen in your marriage and and arguments and fights that need to stay in your marriage. You don't run away to mom or dad or in-laws and tell them everything that's happening in your marriage. Learn to contain some things within your own marriage. And in-laws and outlaws and moms and dads, Stay out of some marriages. They need your advice at times, but there's also a biblical understanding that we have to learn to be a family together. And my spouse, Brienne and I, we had to leave our families and come together. And, and I had to learn it, sometimes the hard way. I'm, I'm kind of slow. I know that comes as a shock. My wife stepped out with Zeke. She'd probably be amening
1: me right now, but... I had to learn, it took me several years, that I I couldn't go first to my dad. When when I was, uh, from the time I was 15 to the time I was 21, I was blessed to uh, work at the headquarters, and so I worked at the same place my mom and dad worked, and and they, they always took a a break at the break room at 9 o'clock. My dad and some of the other men, Brother Farino, one of those men that a lot of times was there, and, and I could do the same thing. I was young. I was 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, but every at 9, 9 o'clock I could go and, and, and eat a break, you know, take breath break with my dad. And so I spent a lot of time talking to my dad. He gave me great advice, but I had to learn in my own marriage that as my marriage grew, I needed to talk to Brian before I talked to my dad because boundaries contain the marriage. The other thing learned those boundaries in the relationship. If it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. I'm just gonna be kind of uh, uh, honest and and fully honest with you. There were times that I tell my wife, you know, money's tight. You Probably need to be very careful what you spend today. You know, just bare necessities. Just ramen noodles and bottled water, and that's all. Actually, don't even get bottled water. We can get out of the tap. It's okay. But, you know, I, I, would, I would make a big deal of how tight money was. And then find a receipt for Bass Pro. Because somehow when it came to my needs, money wasn't as tight. But you know what I've learned in my relationship?
0: Those boundaries are for both of us. And you can't let one do something and the other not. So if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. The third thing is, in boundaries, is learn how you expend your emotional energies. I was telling my wife today, Brother Harry, you, re- I assume you read the book, the, the bullet journal book, or at least part of it, uh, I've, I've got a new journal that, I'm, that I, I use, you see me carry it, this black journal called the bullet journal, incredible thing, but uh, the book that came with it, the first half of the book is uh, tells you sort of the psychology behind why journaling it, it, it helps us and and then the last half was the how-to. But one of the things they said, and they, they talked about Steve Jobs. If you see pictures of Steve Jobs, almost always he, will be, he would be in jeans and a black turtleneck. If you see a picture of Mark Zuckerberg, almost always he's in a hoodie. And they go on to say, the author of this, this book, The Bullet Journal Method, they go on to say that, that there is such a thing as, as decision fatigue. And when you are constantly making big decisions, you get to the place where every decision takes a a toll on your mental uh, uh, self. And sometimes you just don't want to make any more decisions. And so Mark Zuckerberg and and Steve Jobs, they decided they were not going to worry about what they wore every day. It was the same thing. Uh, You know, they could just go, black turtleneck jeans, a hoodie. The same is true with emotional energies. We only have so much emotional energy. Energy, if you will, in our lives, and we have to be careful that we don't expend them all in one place. Here's what I mean by that, and this goes in boundaries in our relationship. If you're not careful, you'll expend all your emotional
1: energy on your job, and when you're at home, you have no emotional energy to spend your marriage, or you'd spend it all on your children. And not have anything left for your spouse. As a pastor, I learned very quickly that I could expend emotional energy on saints and not have anything left for Brienne and my children. And so I learned to take a day off, turn the phone off with my children. My weeks are different than your weeks. I'm more busy on the weekends. That's your time to be off. And so I learned Mondays and Tuesdays to do something different have to learn to put boundaries on your relationships. There has to be boundaries in intimacy. Now some would say, and especially those of you that are not married, or even our young people say, well this is kind of awkward. It, it, it perhaps is, but
0: here's the thing. We've got to talk about it. We've got to teach it. Otherwise it will never happen. The first boundary of intimacy is this.
1: Marriage only. That's why Paul says it's not good for a man to touch a woman. You cannot, you, you cannot expend intimacy outside the bonds of marriage. Marriage only. Which is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband, and let the husband render unto his wife due benevolence, And likewise, wife unto the husband. The wife hath power of her own body, but the husband likewise also. The husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife defraud ye not one another, except it be with sin for a time that you may give yourselves prayer and fasting and come together again that Satan tempt you not. The point is intimacy only in marriage. And you need to learn to love them reality, not fantasy. You cannot allow anyone else To fulfill what your spouse fulfill, it goes without saying no affairs. But I would tell you affairs are far deeper than what we some say. No, intimate affairs. No, emotional affairs. No, physical affairs. No, texting affairs. No, Snapchat affairs. It stays in the boundaries of the marriage and you love your spouse and you love them life. But
0: life has a way of rearing its ugly head. And sometimes I do stupid things. I'm so glad my wife stepped out. And sometimes you're married for a year and your wife throws hairbrushes at you. And sometimes you get mad and angry. And I would tell you today, you better learn how to have boundaries in your disagreements. Because I know most of you, and I know most of you pretty well, and I haven't found a perfect marriage in Lighthouse yet. And I'm pretty confident that You have disagreements in your own marriage. And so we've come up with some boundaries, Sister Buford and I. First off, don't offend. You can disagree but not offend. You can be aggravated but not offend. And if when you disagree, your words and your actions go to cutting people down and offending people and trying to break their spirit and break their, 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 their mannerisms, you have offended them. And the Bible says in Proverbs 18, and I know it says a brother, but just put a spouse if you wanted to. A spouse offended is harder to be won than a strong city and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. So you learn to fight fair. You can disagree, but don't offend Proverbs twelve eighteen says this. Some people make cutting remarks. This is the New Living Translation. Some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Don't offend. The second boundary is an absolute boundary. Never be violent. It should go without saying, but unfortunately, it happens all too often. And it's not just something that happens outside the church, it happens in the church too. In a disagreement, force is never allowed. Period. Period. And it's, I'm not saying that anybody here is doing it. What I'm preaching and teaching right now is not because I know of something going on. But if you ever sit in my office and I find out that violence was done, you're going to see a side of your pastor you'd probably wish you'd never seen. Because there are boundaries in marriage The third third thing that my wife and I have done and we have done it consistently for now some almost 19 years, we never use the word divorce. Here's why. Because the moment you throw that out as an option, even if it's just to get their attention, even if it's just to shake them, even if it's just to get mad, the moment you throw that word out, you can never pull it back in and it will constantly hang on the outside, and every time you get back into a disagreement, that word is going to loom there, my wife and I said, it's not an option for us, we'll fight for our marriage, Um, I've slept on the couch before, I've I've been mad before, I've been aggravated before, she's been mad at me before, sometimes we haven't really talked a whole lot, but we decided that we're going to work it out, because we've put boundaries around our disagreements. I've already said it in one way, boundaries in our time. And I think that it's important that we learn to budget time in our marriage. Remember what I said earlier about emotional energies. A mother can expend all of her emotional energies, but watch this. A mother can expend all of her time caring for her children. Now you would say, well, what's a mother supposed to do? It's real simple. Dads, help out. If you want to spend time, and and, and we're going through this now. We've got a two-year-old again. If I want to spend quality time with my wife, but I'm expecting her to do everything around the house, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes I jump in and have to help because if I can help get some things done, then we will have time. We take time off. Not as much as I probably should, and if she was here, she'd probably say amen very loudly. But sometimes I just put it in my calendar. I'm taking time off. We ship the kids off. Zane, we just put a couple bags of ramen noodles in the house. He'll survive. Zoe, hopefully survive. Zeke, we'll find Rache or somebody. And, but we budget time. We have to learn to put boundaries within our finances and our marriage. I've already talked about you can't spend all the money and not allow your spouse to spend it. And here's something else I want to just help you out that I've learned is I don't care if you're the one making the money. It's not your money if you're married. It's y'all's money. Let me say that again just in case you get it. I don't care if you're the one making all the money. It's y'all's money. And then the, the last I want to talk about in marriage is we, we talk about boundaries. And, and, and when we talk about boundaries, usually we think of a fence. Well, a fence typically has a gate. And the gate is there because the gate allows you the privilege to decide what goes out and what comes in. Sometimes you open the gate, sometimes you close the gate. And so, uh, perhaps when you were single, I could talk about me, you know, you're a single man and, you you know, you've got just a simple job, not a whole ton of responsibility. You could go spend the day, you know, the the, the night or, or, or the afternoons or evenings, whatever. You could be out with your friends every night and all of that. But now that you're married, you have to have a gate. And so the gates are there, and that is that. Sometimes I open the gate and I go fishing, and I go spend time with my friends. But there are other times that I have to close that gate and say, "No, I don't have time to do that today. I have a marriage." And so learn to have that gate. You can't open the gate and let your friends into your marriage all the time. You can't open the gate and let uh, you know and 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 go out every night with all of your friends. You have to use the gate wisely and learn that some things have a time where they come in, some things have a time where they go out. Boundaries in our marriage. And then, boundaries in parenting. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. It's the right thing to do. Again, this is the New Living Translation. Honor your father and mother. It's the first commandment with promise. And if you honor your father and mother, things will go well with you and you will have a long life on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, but rather bring them up with discipline and instruction from the Lord. Dr. Daniel Blash said something back in 2013 that impacted me, and I wrote it down, and he made this statement. He said, help a teen, look them in the eye, Set an absolute standard and don't back down. He said scores of them are longing for the safety of standards. Our children need to know some absolutes in our lives. Um, Brother Parky at one of these camp meetings he was speaking and he got ready to 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 say something about his 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 son Dylan and he said he had and i I haven't made this this agreement so Sorry, Zane, but he said that his agreement is in preaching, Brother, Brother Parkey, if he uses his children as an illustration, he has to give them $5. He said if he uses his wife in an illustration, he has to give them $100. I immediately started thinking, what happens if you use your mom or your mother-in-law? How much is that? Uh, yeah, I'd be broke. Can I give you an IOU? So... um. I want to show you a few pictures, if you have them, Brother Andy. I want to show you a few pictures of the path your children will take if there's no boundaries instituted or enforced. And I'm going to tell you, these pictures may be a bit graphic and too much to handle. So I'll let you scroll through them for a sec. That's what you get with no boundaries. All the Jeep guys are like, I want to go do that. I apologize for this next one. I pulled these off the Internet. (coughs) But I think I could have used some of my own pictures and maybe found some other pictures. Boundaries are important. So tonight I want to I wanna do a few things. I want to give you sound biblical principles to help guide you and your family. I want to give you some practical advice, things I've learned from the fact that, A, I was parented by incredible parents. I've now been a parent for almost 17 years and got a, got a two-year-old, Coming up, so I can start all over again. I learned so much with Zane and Zoe that poor Zeke, he's gonna be like perfect. Because now, in fact, the other day, yesterday, Zeke put on overalls, rubber boots, and said, Daddy, I wanna go fishing. And we went out in the boat and just sat in the boat. My heart exploded in happiness. Now, if I can just get him to love bluegrass music, I have arrived. I spent time as a youth pastor, now a pastor. And there's things I've studied, and I'm glad our young people are up here because I want them to know that I support parents at the Lighthouse. It's my desire that, that at home they hear the same type of teaching, biblical teaching at home as they do behind the pulpit. And so I want to support parents. I want to be there for you. I'm not going to take the child's side. My, my mom never took the child's side. I could have had a rock-solid alibi and I was still always wrong I understand that now that I'm a parent aren't you glad though that we're not under the New Testament Levitical law though Deuteronomy 21 if a man have a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father nor the voice of his mother and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto him, then the father and mother shall lay hold on him, bring him into the elders of the city under the gate of the place, and say to the elders of the city, This is our son. He is stubborn. He's rebellious. He won't obey our voice. He's a glutton. He's a drunkard. And all the men of the city will stone him with stones that he dies. If I have any parents that are in that boat, we're going to meet behind the church on Saturday. <laughs> Have a good old-fashioned stoning. <laughs> but we're not under that law anymore. Some of you young people are saying hallelujah. But there it's important that we have boundaries. So let me review a few things. In a boundary, it defines. A child, a teen with no boundaries placed on their life is a child without definition. They will have no depth, no character, and quite possibly no future. Put boundaries around your children. Define them. Tell them what they are and who they are. Teach them who they are. A boundary contains, just as the womb contains the developing child, until it's able to live on its own, so must parenting contain a child until they are able to make godly Decisions. That's why the Bible says that if you will raise a child up in the way that he should go when he's old, he won't depart. It's because you nurtured that child in the admonition of the Lord and so that you can allow them to contain that child until they're able to make godly decisions. And then a boundary protects. I've heard parents say, not here, but I've heard parents say statements like this. I don't want to stunt my child's development by hemming him in. I had another parent one time tell me, I don't want to squash my child's creativity by putting boundaries on their life. And I have to be really kind because I'm a pastor and you know, but I want to laugh at them because those same parents that do that, both of the parents that I am mentioning and none of them are here, none of them go to this church. But both of those same parents had dogs that they kept on a leash or a cage Twenty-four hours a day. Why? They put that leash, that dog, behind a fence. They, if they took the dog out, they watched every movement because they were afraid they would lose their dog. Our children are far more precious than dogs, and we need to learn to parent with boundaries. I, I, I would take, I would take time, but I'm kind of running out, and there's some other places I want to go, but. I challenge you, read the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs contains a plethora of God's wisdom. King Solomon, for the most part, wrote the book, but he wrote it as a guide to his son. And let me just kind of cherry-pick a few of the verses, Proverbs chapter one, verse eight. "Listen, my child, when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's wisdom. When you learn from them, what you learn from them will crown you with grace, and it will be an honor around your neck. And it goes on to tell the child, be careful who you allow to influence you. Proverbs 6, and chapter chapter 6 and verse 20. My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's wisdom. Keep their words always around your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. Proverbs 7 and verse 1. Follow my advice, my son. Always treasure my commands. Obey my commands and live. Guard my instructions as you guard your own eyes. Proverbs 23:12 Commit yourself to instruction. Listen carefully to words of knowledge. Do not fail to discipline your children. This is the New Living Translation. They will not die if you spank them. That's what the New Living Translation says. You know the whole spare the rod spoil the child? Well, if you take it out of King James English, it says they will not die if you spank them. Physical discipline may well save them from death. Death. Proverbs 23:19 says My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. Don't carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons. And it goes on to keep giving information and giving lessons and teaching them. The curse of a life and a family that has no parental boundaries is that you can curse your children by trying to be kind to them or nice to them or be easy on them. For the Bible says cursed is anyone who dishonors his father or mother. So if you allow your children to grow up to dishonor you, you're actually cursing them. Cursed is anyone who steals property from a neighbor by moving a boundary marker. Cursed is anyone who leads a blind person astray on the road. Proverbs 30 verse 11 says, Some people will curse their father and don't thank their mother. They're pure in their own eyes, but they're filthy and unwashed. Proverbs 30 17, The eyes that mock a father and despises a mother's instructions will be plucked out by ravens of the valley and eaten by vultures. We've got to learn to teach our children and to raise them. I uh, I found a cool... You ever seen somebody that, that teaches, but they teach you in the negative, like kind of sarcastically? I found an awesome article by Ben Reed. It was Nine Ways Not to Parent Your Kids. And I want to just tell them to you because I like them, but... I think that I've given you some biblical principles, but watch how they they kind of tie together. So the, the ninth tip, nine parenting tips to avoid is don't do the whole count to three thing. You know, Zane, come here. One, two, three, three and a half, three and three quarters, three and seven eighths. Because what happens is when you do that, you are giving your child the expectation that you don't, they don't obey the first time you ask. And so what you're doing is you're giving your child the chance to disobey you a little while longer. And one man said it this way, delayed obedience is disobedience. Or always let your child decide. You know, let them decide what's best for them. Let them decide to eat a candy bar before dinner. Or, you know, stay up late because they don't want to go to bed. Because, you know, children are incredibly smart and wise and they have all the knowledge in the world. But that's not true. The Bible tells us that parents, we are called to, to guide our children and to teach our children. Our children need the wisdom of Holy Ghost-filled parents. And can I just help you out? I know, the, I know what it takes to, to have a child. I know the biological uh, workings of how that works. But if you have a child, then God called you to be an authority in your child's life. And I don't necessarily mean authority like a policeman, although that works too. But I mean an authority like the knowledge. You say someone's an authority in something. Someone's an authority on baseball rules or they're an authority of of this. You need to know and you need to pray and you need to let God lead and guide you and teach you because God will give you wisdom to raise the child he gave you. Bible says He won't put on you more than you can bear, and that applies to our children too. I know having children is stressful. I know sometimes you want to pull your hair out, but God has given you everything you need to raise that child. The number seven: Don't let your world revolve around them. It's a, it's something that that I, I don't I don't like it when I see it. It, it bothers me, but. I see way too many parents getting involved in every activity they can uh, for, for their children. They're, they're always doing something. It's sports, and it's four or five sports a year, and then it's, it's this and it's that. They're always doing something, and, and then during the off seasons, they're always trying to fill their time. But remember, the Bible has something called the Sabbath day. And we don't, it's not necessarily a, you know, we, we have to go to church on the Sabbath day. That's not what it means, but it's the resting And if we will let them, our children will make your world completely circle theirs. And that's not healthy. Godly parents help their family find balance between doing and being and going and coming. And sometimes you say, no. And sometimes you say, we're not going to do that. The sixth thing that Ben Reed said was, and again, he said it in the, in the negative and the sarcastic, don't have a discipline plan. So the thing is have a discipline plan because if you don't plan for discipline, then in the moment in which your children are doing something, you will be so angry and so aggravated and so mad that you will respond in a way you will regret later. And so don't wait until the, the, they, they need the discipline to figure out what you're going to do. Don't make discipline an in-the-moment thing, or you'll end up disciplining them in a way that you regret. But remember, God's discipline—Hebrews chapter twelve, verse five through eleven. God's discipline is a loving discipline, and it's a discipline for our own good. And so sometimes you you back away for a moment and you think through what are you about to do, how is it going to work, how is it going to help, and and by the way, discipline the same together mom and dad don't let one be the one that flies off the handle and the one just kind of the pushover learn to walk together the fifth one is don't make them go to church because what kind of parent would you be if you forced your child to do what you know is best for them you know do you even love your child if you shape them in the way that will help them grow and mature but I would tell you that it's important. Church is one of the most important things you can do for your children. One of the things I love watching in this church is I watch children as they grow. I've watched Scarlett do it a few times. but Watch the children raise their hands. They may not know how to worship, but they're just imitating mom or dad. They'll, they'll jump up and down when mom and dad are jumping. For them, it's just fun. but But... They need corporate worship. They need healthy relationships. They need to know that church is vitally important to their life and that we don't go to church only when we feel like it. Because, newsflash, pastor don't always feel like going to church. I don't wake up every Sunday and go, woohoo, church. Sometimes I wake up and go, maybe I can get Brother Lee to preach. I'll stay home. Because I don't go to church because I feel like it. I go to church because I need it. I go to church because I have to uh, come together in corporate worship. And I've learned to do what's best, not just what feels right at the time. Don't, The, the, the fourth one that he said, don't ever play. You know, you're the parent, they're the child. Be so distinct with that. No, get on the floor and play with them. Show them your weaknesses use wisdom in that but every once in a while have that serious conversation where they see that you've made some mistakes in your life and let them see grace and let them see mercy and one person said it this way if you don't play with your child you rob them of a beautiful gift and you paint a picture of a boring God to them and when you don't know what to do let Google be your guide not sure what to do just Google it I'm sure you'll find an answer let me help you out. You ready? Be careful what you find on the internet. Be careful what you read on the internet. Be careful what media tells you as a parent what to do. Instead, I would like to encourage every parent here. Find some other parents, maybe two or three couples that you, you admire. And ask them to speak into your life as a parent. Surround yourself with people wiser than you and bounce ideas off of them and grow from their wisdom and their experience. Don't just ask the people that have kids the same age as you because they're going through the same issues you're going through. Find someone that's walked through that timeline. Walk, walk, find someone that, that, that raised a family and, and ask them. The second thing is, well, as long as they're not bothering me, do not disengage. You got to know in this day and age what's influencing your children. I know it's easy to give them an iPad, and and, and I'm not against giving them an iPad or an iPhone. I know some of you may, may be even stronger than I am, but but I'll tell you right now that, that Zeke knows what an iPhone is and he knows what a, he, he can scroll through it. But I have to be engaged. Know what he's looking at. Right now, he loves drumming videos. He wants to be a drummer. He's two years old. He knows what he's going to do with his life. It's awesome. But set boundaries. Stick to them. Because media shapes your child's mind in a powerful way. And so know what they're doing. Zane knows it and, and my children know it. I'll grab a cell phone from them. I'll, uh, Zane likes to play video games. And I'm sorry if any of you young men play video games because I just go and grab his headset that he's talking and I'll talk to whoever's on it. I have no idea who's on it. I'll ask them if they do drugs. I'll ask if they murdered anybody. I know I've embarrassed him like crazy. Although he says, his friends say I'm a really cool dad. He doesn't think so, but, um, you know, he gets embarrassed. But all the other friends want to meet Zane's dad because I'm so cool. But you've got to learn to engage. And don't just stick him with something and say, well, at least they're out of your hair for a couple hours. Most of the time in children, silence is a bad thing. <laughs> so be engaged. And the last one is always... Be firm. That's what he said, and that's the negative statement. Don't ever let up on your kids. You know, they'll get out of hand. No grace, no mercy. I would like to shatter that myth and tell you don't do that. Model to your children what the grace of God looks like. I know you've got to discipline them, and I have. I know you've got to be strong, and you should. But sometimes when they've disobeyed, show them grace and explain the radical grace. Of a God who forgave you. Because if you really want to be honest, some of the things your children are doing, you were doing, you just never got caught. Show them grace. Show them mercy. And Ephesians 6, 4 says, don't exasperate your children. So parents, put a boundary around your children. They need it. Some boundaries it can be. No late night texting or calls. Take the phone at night if you have to. Know where they are. Know what they're doing. Know who they're with. Get on their Facebook, their emails, their Snapchats, their Instagrams, their texts, their phone logs. There's no password that you don't have as long as they live in your house. Because we will answer for the boundaries of our children. Now, Children make their own decisions at some point, and they're going to have to answer for their own selves. But I do believe we'll answer for the boundaries we set. We'll answer for how we are. And if we don't put boundaries in our children's lives, there will be consequences. I had a cool dog when I was young, Reuben, an American Eskimo beautiful white dog and it's one of the it's one of those those vague memories that I have of three years old. I don't have a ton of them but I remember Reuben. The other thing I remember is the stairs at the apartment and mom put a beanbag at the bottom of the stairs because if she put a gate I climbed over it so she figured it at least break my fall when I slid down them. She also never had a car seat for me and that's why I am what I am. But Reuben was an incredible dog. They say that he loved me and we played. He was fiercely protective. One day the, the gas meter guy came to, and, and came in the fence and Reuben was back there and my dad or somebody came home and the gas man was on top of the, the air conditioner and had emptied his can of mace on Reuben and Reuben wouldn't let him down. But there was another dog in the area and that dog knew how to open fences, knew how to put his nose under the latch and flip it up. And one day that other dog came and opened the gate that protected Reuben. And Reuben got out in downtown Houston and died by a car. You've got to be careful who you allow open the boundaries of your children. Because your children, if we're not careful, and, and I'm, I, 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 I struggle with this because I'm not comparing our children to dogs. Please understand that. Please understand that. But it goes back to that statement that I've met parents that have more concern about the welfare of their dogs than of their children. Now, they say they love their children, but they have no boundaries for their children. They let their children do whatever they want to do, but they won't let their dogs do that. I had a cousin named Royce. He had a, he had a, a, a beagle, and, and beagle, I mean, it was an incredible, I mean, an absolutely incredible rabbit dog. And he always kept the, 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 the beagle on a, on a long Uh, rope when, when you know we weren't around and I mean it had a good run it was it was awesome until one day a Rottweiler got in the fence and Royce's Beagle had some interesting looking puppies Beagle and Rottweiler and we would say in fact I talked to I talked to a pastor today, and uh, uh, he said they were looking at a dog at Petland. I mean, we're not even talking about like a professional breeder. We're talking about Petland, where they probably bred them in Malaysia or something. And Petland wanted six thousand dollars for the dog at Petland. It's a lot of money. You can buy a lot of fishing poles with that. And you get that dog, and it's that purebred dog, and you're careful where that dog goes. And I'm going to say this, and I, 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 know it's a, I know it's harsh, I know it's in your face, but dogs will usually either breed or die when there are no boundaries. And when there are no boundaries, you either lose your children, or they'll get connected to things you'd wish they'd have never connected to. And so I'm telling you, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you, boundaries are important. And we need boundaries I don't I, I know I'm talking to, to parents right now and, and, and there's, there's, there's parents of all different ages the I'm talking to parents of, of 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 year olds but I don't want to have a conversation in 6 or 7 years or 10 years where you come and you say my child is lost and you tell me about how far they've strayed because I probably will ask you I'll, I'll love you I'll pray with you I'm going to be with you But I'm probably going to ask you When they were two and three and four and five Did you ever set boundaries? And did you guard those boundaries? I'm going to do my best to love your children And I I, I try very hard to love, love our children And I will pastor your child And I will teach your child but I only get them for about, at most, at most, five to six hours a week. And it's hard to speak into a child's life five hours a week. I will do my best. I will support you in every way I can. But learn that we must have boundaries in our marriage. And we must have boundaries in our parenting. Those boundaries are vital. And if we will understand how important the boundaries are in our life, we'll find ourselves in a much better place. I wonder if we could stand today.